0: You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Well, good morning. The kids are off to the races. Redemption kids, you are dismissed. You can see your signs there, yellow sign, kindergarten to grade two, Blue sign, grade to three to six, and the two to four year olds is the green sign. As you guys start a new year, the Redemption Kids want to just uh, say uh, thank you for joining us. If you're joining us online this morning, uh, for one reason or the other, you may have been able not been able to join us in person, and so just want to say uh, thank you for joining us, and um, uh, hopefully someday soon we'll get to see you here. Well. Um, how many of you guys are into the like New Year's resolution thing? Anybody? Anybody do that? <laughs> it's like, nope. No, we did Nobody does that anymore. OK, so uh, a lot of people do, right? A lot of people, just, I don't know, for whatever reason, or like it, it's motivates us that flipping of the calendar from 2021 to 2022 and you kind of reflect on the last year. You know, last year, you know, my goal might have been, I'm going to lose a certain amount of weight, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year, you know, I'm going I'm really to really strive to grow in my relationships, and you get to the end of the year, and you're like, you know, that, that didn't go too well, right? I got to Leviticus in my Bible reading, I, you know, I... I gained 20 pounds, I didn't lose 20 pounds, you know, like there's, the, there's this time where you kind of look back and then you look forward and you say, okay, well, this year, what's this year going to be? And, and uh, you know, one of the things that needs to be our highest priority as we consider what is going to be my future, what am I looking at as I go forward, would be to live a life of worship for the believer, if you think about 2021 versus 2022, your goal should be, Lord, help me to grow as a worshiper. We talked about this as we ended Romans chapter 11. We're going to pick it up, uh, Romans 12 now, as we cont- continue our series in Romans. We're going to be looking at Romans 12, verse 1 today. And we entitled series, the series, Romans 9 through 16, what? Growing Deeper. And 9 through 11, really, we're growing deeper in our thinking. There were some challenging things that we had to learn as we were thinking about God's plan of salvation for the Jews and the Gentiles and how all that, all that put, is put together. And now as we think about Romans 12 through 16, we're going to be talking about deeper living. And what I mean by that is living a life that is consistent with what the Word of God says. And our desire should be, as believers, to continually be growing in our love and knowledge of Him and growing in our reflection of who He is. And as we're going to see in the text today, growing in our worship as a result of what He has done. This should be our New Year's resolution. If you're going to have a New Year's resolution, if you want to have one that will matter for all of eternity, be, Lord, help me to grow as a worshiper. Help me to to grow in my understanding of you. Romans 12, 1 and 2. As we think about just how this is all going to be put together, Romans 12, 1 and 2 set the foundation for everything that he says through 12 through 16, chapters 12 through 16. And so we're going to actually take two weeks to do these two verses. I think there's so much here for us to stop and learn. We're actually gonna have uh, 10 messages in Romans chapter 12. There's just, there's just so much here that I want us to understand. These things are, are foundational for our faith, and, 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 and what we're gonna see is that everything that's happened in Romans one through 11 should result in a changed life, should result in a, in a, in a life that's set apart for the Lord God. And so let's, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get in, into the text. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for a new year. And Lord, we thank you for life that you've purchased for us through Jesus Christ. And God, this morning, we would pray that you would lead us and guide us as we study your, as, as we study your word. God, we know that left to ourselves lord we would wander we would stray lord we would not live as we ought to live but god you have given us everything so that we might live a life that is worthy that we might live a life that is reflective of your great gospel god we pray lord that in this coming year that we would grow in our worship that, Lord, we would grow in our faithfulness, Lord, to you. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you know every heart here right now. Lord, you know the discouragements. Lord, you know the failures. Lord, you know the hopes. And God, I would pray that you would just lead us and guide us by your spirit. Lord, you would find us to have a submissive heart towards you today. And that, Lord, we would leave here more like you as a result of our study together today. So, Lord, would you use this preacher for your glory and honor, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Romans chapter 12. Does everyone have a Bible? If you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. i sure be happy to give you a copy of the Word so we can look down at the verse together, the verse, okay? It's not going to take long to read it. Now you may have memorized it, great verse to memorize for sure. And it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. As we look forward to 2022, as we think about how we want to grow as worshipers, as we consider being resolved to live a life of worship, we need to see that worship requires three things. First, we need to have a comprehensive understanding a comprehensive understanding. If you're to worship in a way that is pleasing to the Lord, if you're to be a true worshiper, you need to have a comprehensive understanding. We look again at the beginning of the verse. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Now, if you have not been with us uh, in our study of Romans, at the end of chapter 11, there's this crescendo of worship to the King of kings and Lord of lords for all that he has done for us, for who he is. Romans 1 through 11 is, is a, just this beautiful story of salvation, of God, how God has saved us. It, it shows us all these different attributes of our great God. And as Paul gets to the end of that, he's like, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And so he's just worshipped and, and now he's giving us direction as a result of everything that we've learned in those first 11 chapters. And he says, I, I appeal to you. When you hear that word, I appeal, it, it sounds like maybe it's optional, like, you know, wait if you want to. But that's not what's going on here. He, he is exhorting them. He is coming alongside them. But as an apostle, as one who has the authority of God, he is saying, this is what you need to do. This is what you ought to do as believers. In light of the gospel, in light of everything that God has done for us. We see his familial term that he used, brothers. If we were to try to understand it in today's thinking, brothers and sisters. It's the family of God that he's referring to here. He loves them and he, the appeal that he's about to make to them is, is for their best interest. It is the proper response to the gospel. Everything that we've learned in chapters 1 through 11, there needs to be a a changed life as a result of everything that God has done for us. Anyone who says that they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and that they have placed their trust in him and have an unchanged life, you don't see that anywhere in the Bible other than maybe in places like 1 John 2.19 where it says they went out from us but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they were not of us. In other words, you can confess something with your mouth, but if there's no life change, then, then, you, then you do not understand the gospel. You have not truly come to faith. We've learned over and over again in, in chapters 1 through 11 that we have been set free right? We've been set free from sin. We've been set free from death. We've been set free from Satan because of all that the Lord has done through Jesus Christ. We were once dead, but now we're alive. God made you a new creation. He's given his Holy Spirit to live within you that you might not no longer walk in the flesh. And so we ought to live different lives. Therefore, I appeal to you, therefore, the gospel. If you're, if you're like, um, I'm just new here. I've never been through chapters 1 through 11, read that, okay? Get an understanding of what Christ has done for you. Get an understanding of the gospel implications of all the changes that take place when you place your faith in. In him. And the result of all that he has done ought to be obedience, ought to be a life that is set apart for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The appeal to, sorry, the the appeal here then is I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, is to, to, as we're going to see, to be set apart for him. It's to understand that based on the, the theology, I change my life. I, there's a, there is, as we remember in Romans chapter 7, there is still an option to not obey, right? Even as believers. You can, you can, you can say, I believe, and you can... You can have times where you have victory, but there could be more times of defeat if you don't walk in obedience. There's still a choice to be made, as we've seen in Romans chapter 7, to walk according to the flesh or to walk according to the Spirit. And what he's challenging us here is is to use your bodies for his glory, for his honor. Theology matters. It's not real popular in the Canadian church. I've been saying this for a long time. I remember even in Bible college, like in the early 90s, right? Theology, simology, you know, we all, whatever, we all know. We all know. Yeah, yeah, God did it all. Like that's great. Now we have to like live lives that are pleasing to him. And what I want you to understand is that you cannot live a life that's pleasing to him if you do not understand chapters 1 through 11. You have to know these things, and you need to be continually growing in them. I have a pastor friend, he was, he was talking about, he was doing some marital counseling with this couple and, and they're kind of just you know, laying the foundation of what does the Bible say about marriage? What, is the, what does the Bible say about the theology of marriage and what it represents? And, and as he was talking about that, they, they finally were like, just give us the tools. Just give us the tools, right? They, they didn't want to, like, yeah, 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 whatever. Just tell us what to do, Right? And, and, and sure, somebody can give you a hammer and nails and some boards, but if you do not have the plan for how to build the house, who cares, right? At, at, at best, you'll be a moral person, right? At best, but you won't be a worshiper. You won't be living your life according to what God's word says. You're, you're just, you're just kind of put, putting it together here and... And so, one of the things as I thought about that is that, you know, over the last 11 years, as I'm preaching, some texts are pretty theological, right? I mean, there's just, at the end of the day, the application is, praise this God, because he's pretty amazing. That, that's all the text is, that's all it's saying. And, and that's, that should be the application. There's no help of like, okay, here's the three steps of how to raise your children, or three steps to whatever. Like, this is like... Praise him. That's the application. And so sometimes when people are like, you need, you need more application. You need a little bit more application in here. And, and what? We just want a to-do list. Understand that based on what we're reading here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we can't live a life that's pleasing to God without first understanding who he is and all that he has done. And then, based on that, we respond. Based on that, we respond. If, if not, if it's just about a bunch of do's and don'ts, anyone can do that. Now, in Canada, it's not as popular to just go to church because that's what people do. But there are cultures like, i.e. Texas, places like Texas where it's like, it's not if you go to church, it's just what church you go to because we all do that because we're all Christians. We were born in Texas. Like, what are you talking about? Right? And so everyone just kind of goes through the motions and they put on the right uniform on Sunday morning because that's what they're taught. But everything is exterior. Everything is exterior. It's not done out of a life of worship. It's not done as a response to the gospel. It's just putting on the costume. What will happen is two things, and they're both tragic. One, eventually your idea of God is that he has failed you because I did all the right things. I went to church every Sunday, and then all these problems started happening in my life. So God, he messed up. And so then you just are bitter against God because you never really did have a proper understanding and you have that for the rest of your life. Or things go well for all of your life and you die someday and then you hear this, depart from me, I never knew you. Jesus saying that to you, I never knew you. It's not enough to do good things. It's not enough to, 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 to live a moral life. We must live a life that is out of worship to him. And this is the foundation he's laying. Note that he says it's by the mercies of God. Some of your translations would say in the light of the mercies of God or because of the mercies of God. The appeal that he's making to us is out of the mercies of God. It's out of the gospel. It's, it's, it's because God has done all this for you, now do this. It's not a works righteousness. It's not a it's, a, it's a life that's saying, how could I not do this for him in light of everything that he's done for me? I love that by the mercies of God, because of the mercies of God. Chapters 1 through 11, that's, that's how he's summing up everything he just said. Mercy, 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 mercy. As we went through our Christmas series, we, were, we, we remember that Christ was sent because of the tender mercy of God. All that we have in the gospel is because of his mercy. And we need to continually be growing in our understanding of the gospel as the people of God. Calvin says this, men will never worship God with a sincere heart or be roused to fear and obey him with sufficient zeal until they properly understand how much they are indebted to his mercy. And so in order to live a life that's pleasing to God, in order to live a life that is out of worship, it is understanding the gospel. It is understanding what he's done for us. And that's what chapters 1 through 11 were all about. Maybe just a word here in talking about this comprehensive understanding that we need to have. You need to continually be growing in it. We can, we can get saved with little knowledge, right? As you look back, you're like, I basically didn't know a whole lot. I knew this. I was a sinner. He saved me through sending Christ. But that was about all I knew. And that if I was to be saved, I needed to place my hope and trust in him. That's, that's all about I knew at that point. But you need to continually be growing in the depths and knowledge of the gospel. Because what happens is that you and I can then start like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he saved me. And, 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 and lose your appreciation for how bad things were before he saved you. Or become kind of indifferent to the fact that he saved you. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, I got heaven waiting for me. Now I just got to move on and do things for myself. Which is sadly what we see in a lot of Christianity across North America. A yeah, yeah, he saved me. He took care of my sins. Now I get to live for myself from now until the day I die. But that's not the gospel. The gospel changes everything about us. We see what he means by that in our second point here. If we are to live a life of worship, we need wholehearted devotion. Wholehearted devotion. He says here that we're to present, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. As you think about worship in the text that was read earlier in John 4, people would think about worship as church, right? We still, honestly, it's still a lot of people think about that. We think about worship, oh yeah, that's what you do on Sunday morning when you sing. That's worship. But when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he was saying there's a coming a time when we're not going to be worshiping in a temple, we're not going to be worshiping on this mountain over here, but the worship, the worship that God has always desired in the first place will be done in spirit and in truth. It's not just about a place. We still gather, God still uh, c- condones our gathering together, he, he welcomes our, he commands our gathering together, but it's not just about that. It is to be a true worshiper is to worship in spirit and in truth, in- inwardly, from the inside out is the way you could put it. Not just some outward stuff going on. That's where the Israelites got themselves into trouble over and over and over again, was doing just the outside stuff with no heart involved. But for the true believer, for those who have been called to follow Christ, there is this idea where we worship in truth based on what we understand of what the Bible says about our God, and we do it inwardly. This, was, this is now the new pattern. And as you think about the Old Testament pattern, there was a whole lot of what? Sacrifices going on. And it's interesting, as you look at this verse, there's a lot of sacrificial language. To present your body as a living sacrifice. Not not a great translation, because in the Greek it is to present your bodies as a sacrifice, and then living, holy, and acceptable. That's what describes the sacrifice. But to present your body is to say, here I am. Here I am. Lord, all that I am is yours. All that I have is yours. Every moment of my day is yours. That's what it is to present your bodies as a sacrifice. The prophet Isaiah gives us a great picture of what that looks like. Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8. Let me just read it for us. Isaiah 6 8. And he says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. That should be the life of a believer every day, waking up in the morning and saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Lord, I want to see your kingdom come. I want to see your will being done on this earth as it is in heaven. And I want you to use me as your vessel here I am. Send me. All of me. All of my time. Not just Sunday mornings, right? Well, like half my Sunday mornings. I mean, there's like golf and other stuff I got to do. But like, like some of my time and, and you know, and I'll flip a toonie in the plate every now and then. Like, we're not talking about that kind of, we're saying, like, everything I have is yours. Lead me, direct me. I want you to be glorified in and through me, Lord. So just think about this for a minute. Every part of my body is yours. My eyes. The things I look at throughout the day. Lord, May they bring you glory. My eyes are yours. I present my eyes to you, Lord. Help How everything, everything that I see bring glory and honor to you. Lord, my ears, they're yours. Everything I listen to this day may I bring honor and glory to your name. May it help to see your kingdom come, for, to see your will being done on this earth. Lord, my hands, they're yours. Are your hands producing good things? Are you using your hands for the glory of God? If you think about this world being full of darkness, When you go around this earth, are you shining light everywhere that you go? Or do you use your hands at times for things of darkness? May it always be for light. Your feet, when you go, when you're moving about, are you you going to the lost with the gospel? Are are you going to your brothers and sisters to, to encourage them and strengthen them? With your mind... Lord, my mind is yours. What do you dwell on? What do you think about as you go through the day? Do you think about our God and how awesome he is and all that he is doing and his desire to see lost people saved? What is your mind consumed with as you go through your day? What about your mouth? Do your words lift up? Or do they tear down? Do they bring truth or do they bring lies? Lord, my body is yours. Your knees, how often do you pray? How often are you bowed down before the Lord and, and worship to Him as you go through your day? Are you using every part of you to bring glory to God? We could continue on, but I think you get the point. Every part of me, God, it's yours. How could I not do that in light of all that you've done for me? Lord, you laid down your life for me. You sacrificed all for me. How could I not in return give all of me for you? Here I am every morning. Here I am. Peter put it like this in 1 Peter 2. 4 and 5, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Of course, this is talking about Christ. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We don't offer lambs anymore. We, we don't have to do that because the Lamb of God was sacrificed once and for all. Our sins have been taken care of. But now we, we as those who have been redeemed by the Lord, we, it says here in 1 Peter, we are now a holy priesthood. And so we continually are sacrificing for him. Giving ourselves to him in every way. The, the, the sacrifice here is def- described in three different ways. First, there was the living sacrifice. We are to be living sacrifices. Again, in light of Romans chapter 1, verse, uh, sorry, chapter 1 through 11, we understand that before Christ, we were dead. We were dead in our sins. We, we had no life in ourselves spiritually. We, we had no ability to serve God. We had no ability to worship God because we were dead in our sins. But Christ has made us alive in him. Just as Christ was raised from the dead and, 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 and lives forevermore, we now have been raised from the dead spiritually so, and we will reign with him for all of eternity. We will live with him for all of eternity. And so now we use these lives, this new life that God has given us, for his glory, for his honor. Again, saying, here I am, Lord. Here I am. What would you have me do? Sometimes sacrifice feels a lot like um, sacrifice. It won't be easy. At times, God will call you to do things that you're going to find really difficult, really hard. Think about Abraham. A man of faith. A man whom God had called and set apart. He finally gets the promised son, Isaac. And then God says this. I want you to sacrifice your son, Isaac. What does Abraham say? The cost is too high. Is that what he said? I don't trust you. Is that what he says to the Lord? He says, I know I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I may not understand and when we get to the New Testament, we kind of get more insight as to what was going on in Genesis there. But, but Abraham believed that even in killing his son, that God could raise him to new life, to life again. That he believed that could happen. And so he walked in obedience. God called him to do something. And so he walked in obedience. He was about to kill his son. And we read in Genesis 22, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Here I am. I love that. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. His love for the Lord was above all else. His trust in the Lord was evident in willing, being willing to do whatever God asked him to do even when it would mean great cost. It should be our hearts as we seek to live lives that reflect our thankfulness for all that God has done. See, when you're living a life of worship, there is no cost that is too high. Consider how many people have given their lives over the last 2,000 years for Christ. Doesn't it seem like a bit of a leap to you sometimes? Like, how do you get to that point where you're just like, sure, kill me. But I'll tell you one thing. I'm not denying Christ. I I will die gladly rather than do that. They are able to do that. Why? Because they've been continually walking out this life of worship. And every day getting up and saying, here I am. My life is yours. Use it however you want for your glory, for your honor. I don't care the cost. Lord, you paid a cost that I could never repay. And so, Lord, my life is yours. And if it's your desire that I lay down my life, then what? What do we see in the Scripture over and over again? They rejoice that they are counted worthy to do so. It's like, Okay, well, that's, that seems pretty even, almost. Almost, at least, at least it's the same act. Jesus laid down his life for me. At least I get to do that for him. Even though he's done so much more than that. What a privilege, what an honor to serve the king every day, to present our bodies as sacrifices, living sacrifices, using the life that was purchased for him. It says in Romans 6.13, do not present your bodies to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. This is the goal every day. Lord, we want to use our bodies for righteousness' sake. Lord, we want to have sacrifices that are holy. It means to be set apart for Him. He purchased us with his blood. He redeemed us with his blood. And so we ought to live lives that are set apart for him in every way, every day. Not having these, these moments of, like, well, I got to take care of me now. And how I can take care of me is sinning and being selfish. That's not taking care of you, that's destroying you. That's, remember again, we, we need to remember that Romans 1 through 11. Shall we sin that grace might abound? Are you kidding me? By no means, right? And so we're set apart for him, holy sacrifices to him. We're here again, Lord, for you. And then it says, and acceptable to God. Acceptable to God. If you know your Old Testament well, you you know that when things were going well for the Israelites, when they were walking as they ought to, that they make the sacrifices and it was an aroma of, pleasing to God. When they did things as they ought to, it was pleasing to God. This should be the goal of you and I every morning, every day as believers to get up and say, God, I want my life to be pleasing to you. I want it to be pleasing to you. I do not care what anyone else thinks. I only care what you think and I want my life to be acceptable to you. This morning, are there areas of your life that you know are not acceptable to him? If there is, then repent today and find mercy, find grace and ask that the mercy of God would help you to walk in victory in that area. God has given you all that you need. This was the message that we read in Romans 1 through 11. You do not need to be enslaved in that sin any longer. In that thinking, in that doing, whatever the case may be, the the grudge that you have, that hate that you have, whatever that thing might be, give it to the Lord. And then walk in obedience to him. Are there areas in your life that you know are not dedicated to the Lord as it should be? Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your relationships. I don't know what the thing is. I'm praying right now that the Spirit of God is showing you. What, what are the things in your life that need to be given to Him anew? What's the plan? Do you have a plan? We ought to as believers in the Lord. Are you remembering all the riches that are yours in Christ? Do you have a comprehensive understanding? And and are you living accordingly with wholehearted devotion to the Lord? This is what it means to live a life of worship. And then lastly, we see this. If we're to worship as we ought to, we need authentic living. Authentic living. Our lives need to be lived from the inside out, as we've been seeing They need to, everything that we do should be flowing out of worship to him. Living a life of worship, a life of gratitude for all he's done. Let's just read that verse one more time. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And then he says this, which is your spiritual worship. Everything that he's been defining is about worship. This is what we've been talking about. This word, this, this word here for spiritual, it's a difficult word to, to translate. It's from the Greek word logikos, which means to be genuine. In the sense of being true to the real and essential nature of something. It's, it's to be rational, genuine, or true. This is, another way you could say, this is your reasonable worship. This is your true worship. This is how, this, that not false worship, this is true worship. This is how we live our lives in a way that would be pleasing to him. Moo puts it like this. Spiritual is in the sense of inner. A worship that involves the mind and the heart, as opposed to a worship that is simply goes through the motions. Another way of putting it, he says, is it spiritual or rational in the sense of appearance for human beings on rational and spiritual crea- crea- uh, sorry as rational and spiritual creatures of God, a worship that honors God by giving him what he truly wants. Giving him what he truly wants, what he truly desires from you is your life, is your heart, is your adoration. This is what God requires of us. This is what He desires of us. Worship is not simply going through some outward religious experiences, through some outward religious exercises. We see that all through the Old Testament. The people of Israel, when they would go astray over and over again, they'd have these outward things going on, but their hearts were far from him. God wants all of us as we come to him in worship. Singing about Romans chapter 1. you guys remember that? Just a couple days ago we were studying that. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Talks there about false worship. False worship. When people turn away from the Creator, and, again, and, and then instead of worshiping the Creator, they worship creation. Every single person on earth is a worshiper. It's just a matter of what are you worshiping. And those people, they turn away from God and they, instead of walking in holiness, what? They walk in impurity. Instead of having sound minds that are informed by the scriptures, they have corrupted minds and corrupted desires, still enslaved in their sins, not living lives acceptable to God and not pleasing them with their lives. That's false worship. Worship of some kind, but not to the one true God is false worship. God desires that it we have true worship. As followers of Christ. I was thinking about the fact that even in your process of sanctification in your life, there is this tendency to go off the road, right? When it comes to our worship, we we can we can fall into one ditch on one side or the other. And we have to continually be evaluating our hearts to see, am I in the ditch or am I about to go in the ditch or am I still a a true worshiper? Am I still authentic in the way that I'm living? On the one ditch, you have those who are just doing all the outward actions. Just doing all the outward actions that would appear that they are followers of God. But... If you were to have insight into their hearts, their hearts are far from God. Isn't that what Jesus confronted the Pharisees with over and over again? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God is not seeking people like that. He could care less about your outward actions if your hearts are not towards him. You're just doing it as a charade. You're being a hypocrite at that point. True worship is not simply doing the right action. The goal is to do the right thing out of worship, out of a heart that's overflowing with worship, and then you do the right action. That's, that's what true worship is. You guys ever have times in your life where you feel like your love for the Lord is getting cold? It's growing cold? Again, we're warned about that in the Scriptures over and over again. Hey, get back to your first Love. If your heart is getting cold towards the Lord, you need to see that as a warning light, right? We, we, we talk about being on the road to true worship in your vehicle, in your life. If you start having a cold heart, then you need to see that as a blinking, flashing, warning light in your life. Our actions should be flowing out of our love for God. Just give one example of the Israelites failing in this regard. Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1. These guys thought they were doing the right thing. And we just understand why God's not blessing us. Read in Malachi chapter 1. God, through his prophet Malachi, confronts them. He says, A son honors his father, and a servant his master... If then I am your father, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priest who despised my name. But you say, How? How have we despised your name? The Lord says, By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, How have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? What's the problem? We're offering sacrifices. We're doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. I mean, sure, sure. Sure. I'm just cleaning up the livestock a little and giving you the blind ones and, you know, the lame ones. I mean, but we're still doing the sacrifices. Why are you not pleased, God? Is that wholehearted devotion? Is that a life of worship? It is not. Their hearts were not to honor God, to show their love towards Him through their actions, And the thing that we need to understand is that when our hearts grow cold, we start doing dumb stuff like this and thinking that it's still okay, thinking that it's still right before God. And so if I have a cold heart, I need to stop everything in my life and figure out what's going on here. Why do I have a cold heart towards God? Here's some possible reasons why that could be. Maybe I have an inaccurate view of God. I, I've, I've, I have this theology. I do A, B, and C, and God is required to do D. He has to bless me. He has to make my life go well. And if he doesn't, then I'm not sure that I want to follow him. And So if you have a cold heart, it could be that you have an inaccurate view of God, just as obviously these priests had an inaccurate view of God. Maybe your heart is getting cold because you're just not spending enough time with God. Husbands, wives, like how does your relationship go when you're not communicating, when you're not spending time invested in one another, when you're not, when you're not being intentional in your relationship with one another? How does that relationship go? It grows what? It grows cold. So if you find your heart cold, could it be that you're prioritizing everything that you ought not to be prioritizing? And other people and other things and go, go, go. God's saying, hey, I'm standing right here and I've been here all along. You're the one that's wandered off. Come back and sit and learn from me. Time in prayer, time in the word. Studying, medit- med- meditating on the Word. Maybe your heart is growing cold because your focus is all on yourself. You're not looking at the greatness of God. You're not, you're not looking at, at all He has done for you in Christ. You're too busy worrying about whether you're going to have a job next week. You're, you're, you're too busy with all your worries, with all your concerns instead of leaving them at the cross and laying your burdens upon him. Maybe in your focus on self, you've isolated yourself from the body of Christ. You cannot live the Christian walk on your own. God never intended it that way. We need brothers and sisters to come along and help us, to spur us on, to encourage us. Hebrews 3, Hebrews 3 says that if we do that, that we can have our hearts hardened by sin. And so we need each other. Or maybe this has happened to you. I know it's happened to me in my life. You start thinking, I know it all. Sure, yeah, I could have a Bible reading plan for 2022 to read my Bible through in a year again, but I know it. I already know it all. Well, let's start with this. That's a big, fat lie. You are just scratching the surface of your knowledge of God, and we will be doing so until the day that we die. His grandeur, His greatness should never Bore us. Should never, we should never get to the point where we think we know it all. It's ridiculous. What you need, maybe, is to change your study habits and to start going deeper in your walk with the Lord. You need to start eating some meat, as it says in the Word, instead of just drinking milk. Right? And so... Maybe some of those reasons are reasons that your heart's going cold. I don't know. But you need to get on your knees and ask the Lord to help you ASAP, right? And get it figured out. In the other ditch, okay, so we had those people, hearts far from God, hearts cold toward God, but still kind of doing the outward actions because I want Jamie to think I'm a bad person, right? Or whatever, okay? Whoever the person is in your life, right? Right? Or in the other ditch, you can claim to love the Lord deeply. And maybe you're like really consistent to come here on Sunday mornings and, and when it comes to singing praises, you're just like, you know, like you're all in, right? And you got your hands up and you're worshiping. And, and, and when it comes to the word, you're like you're weeping afterwards. and like, you're just really moved and really emotional about it all. And then you leave here and you live like Satan for the rest of the week. You say you love him. You say you want your life to be dedicated to him, but there is zero follow through. Again, I think about the Old Testament example, Isaiah 58, verses three and four. This is what the Israelites say. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Like, we're doing all the right stuff, God. Why are you not pleased with us? Then he says this, Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. I, I don't care about your outward." rituals, if you're not worshiping me in your words, in your actions, then you're not worshiping me. I'm not going to hear your voice if you're, if you're saying, well, look look at all the, we're fasting, we're going to church, we're doing, we even give money to the church, like, how are you not pleased? And then all week long, you're, you're, you're treating people poorly. You're viewing pornography. You're, you're you're chasing after the world in every sort of way. Like, how in the world do you think that God would be pleased with that? John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. First John three ten. But this, is, by this, it is evident who are the children of God, and who are the children of the devil. Who does not, whoever does not practice righteousness, is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. We cannot just say that we love the Lord. We cannot just do some religious exercises and think that we are living lives of worship or not. Will we sin this week? Sadly, yes. But if you make it a practice to carry out unrighteousness, then you need to be concerned whether you're truly his child. We want to live lives that are authentic, not being hypocrites, saying one thing and doing something different. May the Lord help us to be true worshipers. problem with being a living sacrifice is that you want to keep crawling off the altar, right? Sometimes being a sacrifice will be sacrificial. In fact, always. Dying to self, living for him. It is and it should be. We should die to self and live for him each day. It is a privilege and something that we should be in awe that we get to do it. We get to do it. When there's times that you want to focus on yourself, like I just need some me time, understand that that's a message from the world and what you really need is some God time. You need some time with him. That's what you need. Focus never on myself, on him, for his glory, for his honor. Lord, here I am. Help us, Lord, to spur one another on in this regard. Lord, help us to, 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 to point each other to, to authentic living so that everything that we do is an overflow of worship to him. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity to start applying it through singing. Now, it seems like, again, in this road analogy, it's one ditch or the other, right? Some Christians believe worship is only singing. And then the ones who focus on the fact that it is more than just singing almost negate that it is singing as well. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's some folks when it comes to corporate worship, they're like, yeah, that's not really my thing. Yeah, you know, I, I, I worship in other ways. It's, it's not my thing. And yet, all through the scripture, what? They're singing to the Lord. It's something that we're going to be doing in heaven worship to the Lord. And I want to just challenge you this morning. If, if you come here and you're not excited about singing the praises to our God, then. It's a heart issue. You need to understand and think about why is it that I feel this way. Well, it's not my style of music. i was thinking about this. Like, how do you think that's going to work out in heaven? Whoa, whoa! Sorry, I know this one's. This must be for the other guys. I'm sitting this one out. Like, that's not going to happen, right? you 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 you're when you're when you're finally free of this body and you're in perfection you're going to worship him continually and so even now as we're about to sing praises to our god let us worship as we ought to may it come from the overflow of our hearts to him and if you it's not your style of music that's okay do you know that I've been in many churches, it's not my style of music either. I have a choice to make. Is what they're singing true of God? If it is, then I must proclaim with them the truth, and that's the truth of what, who our God is together, and not be set apart from that. Wholehearted devotion. Comprehensive understanding. Authentic living. This is what it means to worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. And based on the mercies that have been shown you, it is all that you can do in 2022. Amen? Let me pray for us. Lord, we, we do love you. We're so thankful for your faithfulness. We're so thankful for the mercies that you have shown to us, God. God, we want to live lives of worship. It is the only proper response to the gospel, to the incredible mercies that have been shown to us. God, I would pray that you would help us to live lives where we would get up every morning and say, Here I am, Lord, send me. God, I I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in in this way. God, that, that if there are cold hearts here today, God, that you would show us what, what's the reason for it. That you would help us to be open and honest with our brothers and sisters so that they could help us in that regard. Lord, that our, our hearts would be warm towards you. That our hearts would be full of worship towards you. This is the way it ought to be. And then to live a life that reflects that. And God, as we will study over this next six months what exactly that looks like, God, we pray that you would help us to be faithful, to reflect you to a lost and dying world. Lord, that people would desire what we desire, that they, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, too might become true worshipers. Lord, thank you for this body. Thank you for these people. God, would you help them? Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.